I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. It's the news I have been promising and I can finally share it with you. And it almost feels so odd to be sharing this news during this time of the world, but it's like such an incredible time to be the you that you want to be. And so I am stoked to finally tell you guys that I have empowered a motivational journal for women coming out June. And guys, let me tell you, it is full of thought-provoking prompts that encourage and empower you to dig deep and cultivate positive change. It's motivational. It's got tons of inspirational quotes and plenty of pages to write and a gorgeous design with illustrations. And I am so proud of it. It totally puts into practice everything uh, that I did to see the dream of being traditionally published with an international book to fruition. And I know uh, that so many of these prompts have had wild success with my clients, and I'm so excited to finally share this with you. And you can pre-order it today. Ah, I can't believe it's like really happening. And I put the link in the show notes. Check it out. Last week, we had David Essel telling you all about why thinking is not enough. And this week, we have Jennifer Noel Taylor, author of Spiritual and Broke, sharing a little bit more on that idea and how you can draw some balance into your life. Check it out. <laughs> well, I'm so, I'm so glad to connect for the second time today. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, gosh, so much to talk about today, Jennifer. Um, can you give a little bit of an introduction on all that you are and what you do? And then we're going to get into talking about quantum touch and all sorts of fun stuff. Oh, sure. So, yeah. So I run a company called Quantum Touch. We teach energy medicine. And uh, I really love the field of energy medicine. It's using our life force energy to facilitate the healing process. I've been at this for about 18 years. I started working with Quantum Touch. I was studying body work and massage techniques at various massage schools, and that's how I got into energy medicine. And uh, before that, I was doing uh, writing software um, for some computer companies. I got a degree in computer science. So that's where I started, and that's uh, my brief overview. Wow. And, you know, I saw that you have taught at Esalon and Big Sur, and that has been, I do a lot of different retreats, and that has actually been on my list, and I haven't made it there yet. But um, how fantastic is that? Yeah, I studied um, massage at Esalon. I didn't teach at Esalon. I just studied um, some massage stuff at Esalon, which was amazing. They have uh, the massage tables have this amazing view, and it's just an awesome place to to go. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think my retreat for 2020 will probably be there. Um, so I'm excited about that. I usually go um, 1440 and I've tried various different other places, but I think I'm going to try a salon this year. So um, I think it's important that we disconnect from our modern 
life and have that time out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I get tempted a lot and I'm not perfect at this, <laughs> but to sit there on the computer uh, way too much and uh, it changes your brain frequency when you're in the technology. And I think it's good to disconnect so you can kind of slow down your your mind and, and tap more into your heart. And um, I, I'm not always perfect, but I do make an effort to to slow it down and disconnect from technology to to be able to kind of reconnect with with nature and who I am. Yeah, absolutely. On on my days where I'm working on, you know, podcast stuff and book stuff and things like that, I can find myself sitting at the computer all day and it's like, okay, it's time for me to get up, go for a hike, you know, go do something like that, not not do that, even fold laundry. <laughs> do something where I'm not staring like literally a foot in front of my face. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so what is quantum touch? Tell me about that. You touched on a little bit energy medicine, but what does that really mean? So that's a great question. Uh, so energy medicine comes from the belief that everything is energy. So instead of everything just being physical matter, the matter, you know, our bodies are a reflection of the energy configuration. So it's almost like the matrix where you're, you're holding a certain, energy configuration and then physical disease and pain is a reflection of that. So it's a really different paradigm than let's say the Western medical model, which says that, you know, disease is happening to you. Uh, we are more in alignment with the idea that you're actually creating disease from as a projection of what's going on within your spirit. Now um, the, the Western medical model is really good in trauma and in certain, you know, certain situations where, um, energy healing may not be the first method. So if you're sitting there in a car accident with a broken leg, I don't, I don't necessarily recommend using energy healing as, as the first response to that. But energy medicine can work really good with facilitating healing, you know, with, of, of various conditions, including pain. And, and, um, I really love the paradigm of, uh, how we self-create our health. Well, you know, and if we were to really go kind of woo woo on that, we could even say, we could even say that you perhaps your energy perhaps created your car accident mm -hmm. for the purpose mm -hmm. of slowing yourself down or for some other energetic reaction that mm -hmm. is to follow. I mean, if we really were to go big on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the law of attraction, you know, it's really interesting. So that to me is, is really like your energy creates the reality. That's the law of attraction in a nutshell. And, um, it's kind of trippy because it's a lot, it's really hard for people, I think, to fully embrace the law of attraction. So for example, if your house is on fire or these really intense tragedies to say, oh, well, I attracted that, um, I think it's really hard. So you're right. If you want to go really woo woo on that, uh, looking at to what, why did you create the accident in the first place? And that's what I like to look at. And, um, so that's, that's where I sit with the law of attraction. I think it's a lot easier to embrace the law of attraction when we're talking about a parking spot rather than tragedy, right? So when it's something that's so intense and or such a great loss, I think it's harder to um, embrace that idea, at least for me, for sure. Yeah, I've had a lot of people I've talked to who believe the law of attraction is 80% in effect or partially in effect. You know, it doesn't apply to everything. And uh, I go back and forth and debating people on this because uh, I believe it applies to everything. I don't believe it's a selective law. To me, the law of attraction is a lot like gravity. It's either in place or not in place. There's no sort of selective usage of it. 
Uh, and I do believe it's really hard when it comes to these really extreme tragedies to to accept that, oh, yeah, I attracted that. That's, that is super hard. Yeah, it's funny. Even last night, my husband said something, and I said, don't talk like that. You know, and he said, well, if I say it out loud, then it won't happen. And I'm like, no, the fact you said it means it will. Like, you know, <laughs> is it is it the chicken or the egg? Like, is it not saying it and avoiding the thoughts altogether? Or is it calling it out and acknowledging it? I don't know. I, I don't think it's just thoughts. Um, I think a lot of times stuff that we say doesn't really create much um, because you can have certain thoughts that have nothing to do with your energy. Um, thoughts can influence your energy for sure. So I think, you know, dwelling on something you don't want to happen is probably not the best route. But I've had, you know, thoughts about all kinds of stuff that doesn't manifest because my energy isn't in vibrational alignment. And I think that's part of people's frustration with the law of attraction. They're doing their their money mantras, oh, money, give me some or whatever it is that they're, you know, uh, doing a mantra on. And it's not it's not manifesting and it can get frustrating for people because it, it, to me, it goes a lot deeper than just thoughts. Mm. I love what you said about vibrational alignment. And yes, I find that with myself too. It's funny if I don't believe it from my gut, it's not going to happen. And the moment that it clicks for me and I believe it from my gut or I feel it in my gut, it happens. And, and I, and I know that I probably don't believe certain things from my gut because it's not the right time. Like it's just, it's not all in alignment as you describe. Yeah. I think that really feeling, I, I think the love attraction is really two things. One is like you said, to really feel it in your, in your body and your gut and your spirit that this is, this is what is happening. Um, one of the other issues is that I think a lot of times we're not in vibrational alignment because there's a shadow side that needs processing. So for example, if you want a million dollars in the bank and you're doing these, you know, abundance meditations, oh, I have a million dollars. Uh, I think for some people that's really hard to believe uh, that they could have a million dollars or there's a shadow that needs to process that's, that's keeping them away from creating abundance or whatever it is they want to create, you know, relationships or um, health. health. Yeah. The, the whole thing, just because there's, uh, you know, unconscious, unprocessed negative beliefs that are also operating in your energy. Mm, that's so true. And so how often do we perpetuate our own pain because of the fact that we're not willing to face the shadow that needs to be dealt with first? I think it's really common and um, a lot of it I think is is holding a grudge or lack of forgiveness saying, all right, well, that happened and I'm going to carry this pain and anger for the rest of my life because that wasn't fair. I think that's part of it. Uh, a lot of it may be stuff we don't know even aware of, but I think that one way to bring this stuff into awareness is to look at what triggers you on a fairly regular basis because that to me is clues into your uh, what you're holding on a deeper level that's preventing you from living the life of your dreams. Mm. So you say when you follow your heart, doors open automatically. What do you mean by that? Well, I believe that there's two types of action that we typically take. One is what I call uninspired. Oh, I have to do this. 
I don't want to do it. I'm forcing myself. I got to do my tax returns. That, that to me qualifies as uninspired action. And we do a lot of that. Um, I do a lot of it still. Uh, the other thing that I consider is what I call inspired action. It's, it's following your heart, opening your heart, intending to manifest something, and then following the, the uh, stair steps of what really inspires you. And I feel like when you take inspired action, you're coming from the heart. That's when it seems to really flow and, and doors start to open and, and you get into this sort of flow vibrational alignment state with the universe. And to me, that's when magic happens. I had a woman on uh, the podcast earlier who is, uh, she's got a doctorate. She's been on the History Channel. She's uh, got a doctorate in religion. Well, it's actually not in religion, but that's what she does now. And uh, her whole thing is Jesus Christ and things like that. But a lot of what she talked about was energy. And it was interesting to me um, that the way that she phrased things, because my whole point is, regardless of your religion, can't we all believe in energy? And I think that a lot of times I have a lot of metaphysical oriented people on the podcast who, you know, um, that they embrace that. But what about people who who don't believe in the power of their own energy. How, how do you phrase it in such a way that they can get on board with this idea that they are in control of their life? Well, one of the things that I think is universal is this idea of feeling like a victim. I think most people, yeah, most people can identify whether they believe in God or Allah or energy or whatever, um, that when you feel like a victim, when you feel like life is, is sucking you dry, that kind of feeling. I think we all know this. You know, I feel like a martyr or victim or it's my husband's fault, whatever you want to blame things on. When you start going into the blame game, I think we can all identify that. So really what I encourage people to do is to reclaim their power when they start getting into that victim mindset and say, all right, I am, I, I can create here. I can change myself. I can't change my husband, but I can change myself. And, uh, I think that's really powerful to say, what, what can I change about myself to create something different? And I don't think you really need a religious belief set to identify the feelings of, of being a victim or not being a victim. Mm, that's so true. And I, and I do think that more and more I'm seeing people are getting open to the ideas that um, we are in control of our own outcomes, uh, whatever however it's phrased, you know, um, you wrote a book called spiritual and broke how to stop struggling with money and live your purpose. How yeah. do people do that? What's that? About? <laughs> What's that all about? That's it. That, I mean, that sounds beautiful, right? How do people do that? Well, I have found that, uh, when people get into their purpose, their spiritual purpose or their true calling or, um, what tends to happen sometimes is that the money really doesn't really work that well that they're doing what they love and, and their bank account is going negative. And uh, I noticed that within myself too, that I was out there doing this energy medicine and constantly struggling with credit card debt, taking out loans. I had a mortgage that was underwater. I had a car payment, just it was my, you know, a, you know, low credit score. My, my finances were a complete disaster. And I asked myself, well, what's going on here? I'm teaching empowerment. I'm teaching the law of attraction and I can't seem to use this. To, uh, to create money. And that's kind of the starting point of my book. And I, uh, managed to turn my finances around. Um, I had some wake up calls that allowed me to turn it around and I wanted to share that in my book. I, 
I went from, let's say, over $135,000 in debt and, you know, having a 540 credit score and, and all this stuff to now I paid that all off and, and saved a bunch of money and bought a new uh, new property. And, and so I used what I teach in my book to do that. So is how to do what you love and make money? Basically, you can integrate your true calling and your spiritual path with also uh, having having money, having abundance, uh, being able to integrate those two. It seems like for a lot of people, those two aren't very integrated. And the whole point of my book is to show people these these two things can be integrated. So so what if love what if what you love isn't sustainable? What if it's not something that you can, you know, pedal every day or, or do on a long-term basis? Um, you mean like, for example, if you love petting kittens and, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't really example. make a living doing that. Right. You, <laughs> yeah. You work in the, uh, the rest, you know, you're at the rescue center or something. Um, you know, I feel like there, there is a path and it may not look like what you think it is. Like I couldn't sit here and have a bunch of rescue kittens and foster kittens and pet them all day and get paid for that. But I could perhaps work in that field where I do part of the job is petting kittens or caring for kittens. And in fact, there is, I have seen job openings for animal cuddlers that actually get paid <laughs> to snuggle animals. So I, I really think if, if your heart's really telling you to do it there, you, you can find a way and, it's amazing how, how fluid the reality can be. I'm, I'm very optimistic and I know each person's situation is unique, but at, at least I believe there's a way to incorporate what you love in, into your career path. So does everyone or someone love every job that's out there? Like, in other words, is there a job out there that someone will love for sure. Like I'm thinking of the classic ones that people, Oh, garbage truck driver or, you know, something like that. It, it, do you believe that every job, even the, the cruddy jobs that have to get done, someone out there would love? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Um, that's a great question. I, I think, uh, but I can't, I can't tell you how other people feel either. Maybe there are some people out there that love collecting garbage or cleaning the toilets at the fair or whatever it right. is, but, right. but you know what I mean? I, I can't answer for other people. Um, but I do believe that everyone does have a path. That's their true calling that they can follow. Now, maybe, you know, collecting garbage is for a while, maybe a way to fund their path or, or maybe we just produce too much garbage and that career really isn't in alignment with the highest good. I can't, uh, I can't speak for necessarily the path of other people. So when you, when you help people stop struggling with money, what's the first thing that you tell them? What's the first thing that you encourage? The first thing I like to encourage is looking at the victim stance. Is, is there feelings of like hopelessness? This, this will never work. I'll never get this fixed. You know, I'm stuck. I have a fixed income. Like, is there anywhere in their consciousness that's identifying with the victim. And it's amazing. I, I can work with a lot of people that are really into the law of attraction and things like that. But when it comes to their money, they say, well, I have a fixed income. It'll never change. Or there's just always kind of a story that I have found that puts them in that disempowered victim state. So I like to unravel that first, because if people aren't really willing to get out of that victim consciousness, there's not anywhere else you can you can go. 
Do you think that some people never will in this lifetime? I think that if you look at the statistics, 75% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck or in debt. And I think there's a lot of people that feel stuck, hopeless, like a victim that will never change. I think it's really something that I feel that we really need to help people shift and, and come into their power. So there may be some people who don't want to change or who just they like being a victim. Um, and that I feel like we there's really not much we can do until they're willing to, to look at things perhaps from a different perspective. So how does quantum touch play into um, everything that you're talking about? So quantum touch is really, I feel like, the ultimate empowerment because if we believe that everything is energy and if we believe disease is a reflection of our energy and if we believe our bank statement is a reflection of our energy, to me it's all the same issue that ultimately whatever we're struggling with, relationships, health, money, whatever it is, if we can embrace that idea that what's going on externally is really our projection, then that's where I feel like life can really change. So quantum touch, we teach people how to work with that energy, how to identify and work with that energy. And to me, it all comes back down to this idea that everything is a projection of our energy. Can you explain the energy concepts? Like, can you explain for people that might be listening that are like, I don't get it. You know, what is my energy and how is that affecting anything around me? I mean, I think people can Mm -hmm. kind of relate when they're in a bad mood, the people around them are in a bad mood, but can you explain it a little bit better? Sure. Yeah. So, so basically uh, I believe that's a really good example to start is that when you're in a bad mood, um, other people around you are also tend to be in a bad mood. It's like, like attracts like, Um, it also goes a little deeper in, in that, you are holding, we are all holding a a pattern of energy that's a collective of our thoughts, what's going on emotionally, anything unprocessed emotionally, our diet, um, basically everything around us, even our environment. We're a a collection of all of that, even um, maybe some might venture our past lives. And so this pool of, of various energies is what I refer to as our vibration. And it's vibrating at a certain frequency. So there's ways to increase our frequency and ways to lower our frequency. And that affects what's going on in our external world. So for example, I don't know if anyone's noticed this. This is a really practical example. If you have ever uh, given up smoking, your your life generally improves on, on multiple levels. Your health improves. The people around you improve. It, it's because you've changed your vibration. You're, you're now operating at a higher vibration. And um, same thing with giving up alcohol. You know, when people give up alcohol, their life generally improves on multiple levels because they've, they've raised their vibration. So in talking about vibration, do you think humans are living only at a fraction of what we're capable of as humans like as or do you think that we are living at the maximum that we are because we are limited as humans? I really don't believe that we're limited. I believe that your first one, that we're living at a fraction of our potential. I believe that a lot of war, a lot of disease, a lot of famine, a lot of what's going on in the world isn't necessary. And even that our energies are affecting the environment and the earth, like those fires in Australia, 
I feel like, you know, the, the fact that the earth is suffering is also due to our own collective energy. So I feel like as we raise our vibration, we all collectively raise each other up to a healthier, happier place. And so do you think that at some point the world is going to exist in a state where everybody is operating on that much higher level? Like that there will be so much energy lifting that we will all kind of like almost like Star Wars or something like, well, you know what I mean? Like we will have these what we would consider superhuman powers or something like that. I believe that's possible. But the, the trend I've seen is more and more people are getting into the idea of energy and more and more people are starting to open their heart and to discuss things like purpose and, and relationships overall, I think, are improving. And so I do see a trend going in that direction. Um, do I think there'll ever be a utopia where it's all happy, happy, joy, joy? I, I think as, as we raise our consciousness, things will continue to, um, things will continue to improve. But, um, I don't think I can predict the future though. So do you have some form of activity that people can do to test the power of their energy? Um, yeah. So in our workshops and our online workshops, we teach people some really basic, uh, work with, how to how to work with energy yeah and it's a it's actually just working with breath and uh, even just feeling the energy between your hands and feeling your own life force energy so we get people started with some really basic energy cultivation techniques um i think a lot of people feel energy already so we just make it more conscious for people like one of my favorite examples is you're driving down the freeway and you kind of know that person next to you is looking at you I mean, how do you know that really? It's you're feeling their energy. So we just teach, we just teach people ways to really cultivate that energy and work with it. And, uh, it's a really great way to get started. Can you share one of your, your breath work examples on the podcast today? Um, sure. So what I like to do is I like to put my hands, uh, kind of in front of me, but a little far apart. So, um, facing palms each other. Facing so palms out or facing palms, each other. Palms facing each other. And then on an inhale, I like to imagine energy or now I can feel it. But if you can't feel it, just imagine energy um, moving uh, in through up through your uh, feet and then out through your hands. Uh, I'm sorry. On the exhale, the energy is moving out through your hands. So if you inhale and then on the exhale, move the energy out through your hands. Um, and if you do this for a while, you may start to feel something between your hands like an energy or heat or you may even start to be able to see a little bit of white light coming off your hands i do that exercise a lot because it's really simple and uh just a short one working with breath and and that's where i like to start playing with energy for people so why is the breath such a powerful tool um you know in hawaiian they call it aloha means breath of life I believe that it, it, it's really a way to first slow down our, our mind. It connects us with the heart and it's, it's like we're in taking the life force. It's a way on the physical plane to intake the life force. So I view it's a really, we see this tool a lot in yoga, breath work, energy healing. And, uh, I believe connecting that breath, meditative practices use it too. I believe it helps us slow down the mind, slow down the brain waves and, and really feel what's going on in the heart and the energy field. So that's basically, um, I'm a big breathwork person, but so what you're saying is that's basically a gateway 
to feeling your own energy. Yeah, I feel like that's why it's so popular um, in yoga classes and such, because it really helps you feel your energy. So that's well said. (laughs) And and so one one more question that I have is how how do people um, aside from kind of the victim mentality and things like that, how do they encourage the people around them to get on board with whatever it is that they want to draw to them. So sometimes people are in relationships with people that are very negative, even though they're trying to be positive or optimistic. How do you encourage people to work within that situation? Well, the first thing I feel like is that we can't change anyone, especially our partner. <laughs> they're, you know, we, we can't tell them, okay, you know, put on a happy face. That that generally annoys people, you know, to try to tell someone what to do. So Really, I feel like what happens is if somebody around you is super, super negative and you start to get in the space where let's say you're meditating, you're doing yoga, you're eating, you know, green juices and salads and you're raising your vibration. One of two things will happen. Either the person will start to get inspired and start to come with you or then the relationship may naturally kind of go your separate ways because once you're vibrationally incompatible, you really can't be together anymore. That's my feeling. So it'll kind of go one way or the other. That's been my experience. Hmm. And so just having an awareness that you changing your vibration is maybe not going to mean the people in your life are still going to be in alignment with you. Yeah, it's 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 a sad part. You know, when we start to raise our vibration and raise our frequency, we are not necessarily compatible anymore with everyone in our lives. That's why I think people's friends change over time. Uh, people's partners change over time. It's great if you can find, let's say, in a romantic relationship, someone that can grow with you where you can co-create and grow together. But that may not always be the case. And uh, to me, that's OK, because it's not fun for that other person either to be in a relationship where it's just vibrationally disharmonious, um, where mm-hmm. it's not harmonious vibrationally. So. At some point, um, sometimes people do shift and relationships do come to a natural uh, conclusion. Mm. So I think that's a good point, though, that, um, you know, I've been talking a lot lately about change on the podcast and in my e-journal. And I think that um, sometimes we have to recognize that people are on our path with us for a period of time. And maybe that period of time isn't our entire lifetime. Well, thank you, Jennifer, so much. How can people get in touch with you? Where can they find your book? Great. I have a couple of ways to get in touch with me. If you're interested in the energy medicine, it can go to www.quantumtouch.com. If you're interested in my book on uh, Spiritual and Broke, it's on Amazon right now under Spiritual and Broke. And then I also had an author site at uh, www.jennifernoeltaylor.com. And I hope you all get a chance to check me out. Yeah, and I will share all of the links in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for sharing a little insight on energy and how people can start living the life they want to live. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. Wonderful questions. I love the discussion, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.